Well, welcome to week four, the final uh, installment of our series, The Good Book. Uh, all month long, I hope you've enjoyed this journey through God's Word, the number one best-selling book of all time, the most debated, often the most doubted. It's the most controversial book ever written, yet it has stood the test of time. And so we've been taking this journey through the good book, understanding that we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It's the foundation or standard of truth for our lives. And so we've been taking this journey so that we can better understand it so that it becomes the true foundation of the life that we're living. Not something that maybe we've heard about, not a story that maybe we were taught when we were a kid, but to really embrace the totality of the Word of God. And we believe this is important because the Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the very foundation of this series. And here's what it says. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe that the Scripture is God-breathed. It is the very Word of God spoken to us to give us a roadmap for our life. The Bible actually says that it's a light into our path. It shows us which way to go. It shows us how to live. It teaches us a standard of truth for living. It's great to know that something is hot and you're told don't touch it. Uh, this is what the Bible does. Hey, it's hot. Don't touch it. You may want to do this. You may be drawn to this, but this is God's best for your life. So we've been uncovering this from really what I would say the beginning until the end. So in week one, we learned how to believe the Bible. We talked about the validity of Scripture. And we talked about it from every angle, from science, from history, what the Bible speaks about itself, what uh, history has taught us. And, and we've understood that the Bible is trustable. It's not just a book. It is proven. It is fact. There were eyewitnesses that, that were walking with Jesus who recorded the things that he did. It's absolutely amazing how much proof and validity there is to the Scripture. Week two, we talked about how to study it. If it's truth and we need to know it, then how do we engage with it? How does it become something more than just a story on a page, but how does it become something that we can get life from and direction from for ourselves? And then last week was a really tough one. We talked about some hard things that Jesus said. Jesus calls us to a standard of living and the way we're to live our life, and so we want to know that we're living as true, authentic believers according to what the truth of God's Word says. And then today, today's the fun one. Today's the day you've really probably been waiting for since week one. Today we're going to talk about Bible benefits. We say this a lot around here at Cultivate Church, that obedience opens the doors to blessing. That when you live a life of obedience, it enables the blessing of God to be on your life. And so this journey we've taken through the good book together, God's Word, the Bible, living this out and embracing this truth actually opens the door to God's blessing on your life. And there are so many blessings that the Bible gives to us, benefits from God's Word, from godly living. And today I just chose four. They're just four of my personal favorites. And I just want to bring it to your attention today, hopefully as an encouragement to you. I realize that many of you watching, many of you listening right now, you're walking through some dark moments, you're dealing with difficulty, you're dealing with the delays and the detours of life. But I want this to be an encouragement to you today. That when you embrace God's word and God's way, God opens up the doors of blessings on your life. And there are benefits to living out this biblically-based, God-focused 
life, a life on purpose. And so I want to pray for you today that we can receive this word together so that God would speak to our heart today. So Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you for every person watching or listening online. I just pray, God, you open our ears to hear you today, our heart that we can, uh, our mind to understand it, our heart to retain it, not to just be hearers, God, but to be doers of the word. Father, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So four benefits of the Bible. So here we go. Number one, I want you to write this one down. Write this word, and I think this is a big benefit. It's principles. Write down the word principles. And I know what you may be thinking already. That's not the kind of um, uh, benefit that I was looking for. What does that mean? Well, when you understand the principles, the principles of God's word, how to live out the the instruction and how the navigation of the word works, the rhythm and the flow of God, it changes your life. Look at the Bible with me in James 1 and 22. This is important. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Underline that word, do. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. This is an incredibly important scripture because I fear in 2021, in the year that we're living, the culture that we're in, and the time that we're in, we have many people that are living a subjective Christianity. In other words, well, I know what the Bible says, but this is how I feel, or this is what I think, and so this is what I'm going to do. Or, I know the Bible says that right here, but uh, I'm not real sure how to, how to think about that, how to feel about that, so we're just going to omit that, and we're going to do something different. I'm going to embrace another portion of Scripture. But the problem is, if the Bible says it, and if it's the Word of God, and if it's the truth of God, from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, my life has to embrace it so that I can live it, so that I can experience the benefits of it. Don't just listen to God's Word. Don't just know about it. Don't just sit here today and hear what I'm telling you and go, oh, well, that's for somebody else, or that doesn't apply to me, or... Uh, or maybe you say, well, I've heard the Bible when I was a kid. I know some of those Bible stories. I remember Noah who built that boat. I remember learning about that guy Jonah that was swallowed by a whale. I remember some of those stories, but, you know, that's not that important to my life. Well, the Bible says, don't just listen to this. No, you must do what it says. Because if you don't do what it says, you're only fooling yourself. In other words, you're not going to receive the benefits of a life based on the Bible. Now, we spent an entire message talking about the principles of God and explaining this in detail. If you want to write this down, it's from our November 2020 series called Refresh. And the title of that message was called Go to the Principle. Our November 2020 series, Refresh, and the title of that message is Go to the Principle. And we talked about the principles of God's Word. And if you'll read the Bible, you'll notice that the Bible works off of principles all the way through. One of my favorite verses the, uh, where God says, if you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. In other words, if I will make an effort to come to God, God will come right to me. But if you notice that it's contingent on me making my move to come to the Lord. Uh, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but I have to call on the name of the Lord. Um, if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then 
The Bible says, I will hear from heaven, I will hear their land. There is this flow, there is this rhythm of when I fall in line in obedience and I begin to do what God has asked me to do and when my heart begins to chase after God, well then God responds with benefits for my life. Let me show it to you. I've got two principles that I want to give to you that I think are life-changing. Two principles that if you were just to embrace these today and begin living by these, I know it would change your life. And the first one is this. Write this one down. It's the principle of position. The principle of position. It comes from Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. It's a very famous verse. You've heard it. It says, you know, if you seek God first, then everything would be added unto you. In other words, when God is put in his proper position in your life, then everything else begins to flow in order. I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with people that go, I just don't understand why things aren't working out. I don't understand why things are going wrong. I don't understand why it seems like everybody else is blessed, but I'm just not making it. Well, many people aren't living out these principles of God's Word, the principle of position. Everything in your life means God should be first. That opens the door to blessings or to benefits. In other words, in your time, God is to get all of the best of your time. Is he the first or is he the last? Is he the best or is he the rest? In your finances, in the resources you have, many people, you never obey. You never live out the principles of, of, of giving to God, of giving to him first. And therefore, you don't reap the benefits of that uh, living out that principle. The Bible says that God should be first in everything, in our relationship, in our work, in our time, in our motivation, in our attention. Everything should be God first so that he can bless us and give us the benefits of a God first life because everything comes after that. So I challenge you, the principle is is to put God first in everything. Make sure He's at the top of your list, the top of your time, the top of your finances, the top of your relationship, the top of your serving, the top of your giving, the top of everything in your life, and watch the benefits that come from it. You will see that living out this principle of position, what God does in your life. One of my second favorite principles is the principle of planting. The principle of planting. This comes from Galatians chapter 6, Verse 6, which just simply says it's sowing and it's reaping. You will always harvest what you plant. In other words, if you sow seeds and you, you harvest, you tend, you, you will reap what you sow. Many of us are reaping some things in our life because we've sowed some seeds. Some of us, you have needs in your life, and I can tell you this. I've learned this. This sounds so crazy, but in God's economy, this is the way it works. I've known times when I needed something maybe financially in my life, and I sowed a seed into somebody else's life. You say, well, that don't make any sense. You were in need. You needed the money, and you're giving to somebody else. Well, I sowed a seed, and what is sown will be reaped in my life. When you sow kindness to somebody, when you sow generosity to somebody, when you sow your time, when you sow your effort into other people, honoring God first and sowing into others' lives, you reap it because that's what you've planted. If you plant a certain crop, that's what you are going to reap. You can't plant an apple tree and get an orange tree because you didn't plant an orange tree. You planted an apple tree. It's so simplistic, but we miss it so often. What would happen in your life if you took this principle of sowing 
and reaping, seed time and harvest in your life, what would it change? I bet today it would literally change the whole trajectory of the life that you're living if you begin to live out the principle of position and the principle of planting. Sow a seed and reap a seed. It is this rhythm and that it is flow with God and His Word. It is the Word of God, the absolute truth, and you can bank on it in your life. It's the principle of, uh, of, of, of position and the principle of planting. It is the benefit of living out principles in your life. Number two, it brings us to this one. I think this is important. It's the principle or the benefit, rather, of power. The Bible, living out a Bible-based life, focused and living this out, in obedience, it gives you the benefit of power. The Bible is power to your life. Let me show it to you. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Look at it with me. It says, Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 is another really famous uh, passage of Scripture. It's the armor of God. And it talks about a soldier and all the armor that that soldier would uh, embrace for battle or for war. And every piece of that armor represents something that God has given to us. But I want you to notice right here how the Bible, descri uh, how the Bible describes the Word of God, God's Word. I love that it says that it's the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God, that, you're, that the Word, the Bible that's been given to us, the good book, is like a sword. I just think that's so cool because there are many people who would embrace good teachings or good philosophies, and they say well, there's lots of great teachings, but there is nothing like the Bible. It does Nothing does what the Bible can do because the Bible is the sword. A sword is for combat. A sword is for fighting. There is something amazing about the use of a sword. A sword is both defensive for protection and it's both offensive for, for attacking and for killing and for slaying when you are in danger. You can be protected by God's Word and you can also go after the enemy with God's Word in your life as well. You know, the soldiers in the time, the Roman soldiers, the swords that they would carry uh, they were more like daggers. They were shorter swords, and they were used for close combat. And say, so I believe that this description of the Bible being our sword, uh, the Word of God, and for combat, I believe it's so that you and I, when we get in close contact and proximity with the enemy, that we have something that is a close combat weapon that we can actually take out the enemy with. See, this whole thought process or this whole theory is not that far off. You may want to write this down in the Gospels, the story where Jesus is tempted by the enemy. The devil comes to Jesus and he tempts him three different times. The enemy even actually brings scripture to Jesus, trying to twist it and take it out of context and trying to tempt Jesus. But in all three of these attempts, Jesus quotes scripture to the enemy. And the final thing that happens after the third time that Jesus quotes the enemy, three strikes, you're out. The Bible says the enemy left him. 
You see, it was close combat. You see, we talk about the Bible and the Scripture maybe in church together. We're reading the Scripture together. You may talk about Scripture in a small group. You may talk about it with a friend who is a Christ follower. But I believe in this context, we're to take this Scripture and we're to have a conversation with the devil himself. You see, when the devil comes to you and he is whispering in your ear that you'll never get past this, that you'll never be better, you'll never overcome that addiction, that hurt, that habit, or that hang-up, up in your life, when the devil whispers to you and says, your marriage is over, your career is over, your health is failing, your kids will never amount to anything good in their life, when the enemy does what the Bible says he comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy, this word of God is literally a sword, it is a dagger for close combat, and you need to sit and you need to have a conversation with the devil and you need to remind him of the power of the word of God that it brings to you. God's word is powerful, it is literally a sword, it is for your benefit. Now what I fear is that many of us are experiencing this power that the Word of God brings, because many of us don't know how to use the Scripture any more than we know how to use a sword. If somebody handed you a sword today and said, you have to defend yourself, you have to take care of yourself, you have to provide for your, saf your safety with a sword, we wouldn't even know what to do. We've never handled one before. We've never used one before. And the Word of God, although it is like a sword, it brings us power for offense and defense. We don't know how to use the scripture any more than we know how to use a sword. And so what I want to encourage us to do is to take everything from this journey that we've been on over the past few weeks and begin to embrace living this out so that we can begin to embrace God's word, know that it's true, and know that what it says is for you, and you can build your life on it. It can be the foundation of the life that you live. And then in week two, learning how to study it. How do you take from it, and how do you embrace it and live it so that it makes a difference in your life, so that it matters? You can do that so that it brings you power. Begin to live out the words of Jesus and the tough things that he called us to do so you can have the benefit of the power of the word of God. Maybe you want to reference this. Hebrews 4 and 12 describes the word as sharper than any double-edged sword. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Able to cut through anything. Able to defend you. Able to go on attack. Listen, the Bible is powerful. It has everything you need contained in these books. The very word of God breathed for you. If only we will embrace it and live it. It's one of my favorite benefits of a Bible-based, Bible-believing life, a life on purpose, is the power of the Word of God. And then number three, this is a really, really important one. There's a great benefit of, the God, of God's Word, and that's purity. Purity. Not something we talk about a lot anymore in our culture. Not something that we embrace a lot in our culture. But I still believe that God's standard is purity in our life. Look at the scripture with me. Psalm 119 and 9 says this. It says, how can a young person stay pure? Well, by obeying your word. What a question. How can a young person or how can a person stay pure? This is, this is relevant to every single one of us because it's hard to live in purity. So you don't have to go looking for sin. Sin is looking for you. 
You don't have to look hard for it. It's out there. It's trying to find you. It is stalking you at every turn. Our mobile devices, our computers, all of our technology, it's everywhere. When you turn on your television, it's everywhere. Sin is out looking for you. You don't have to go look for it. So what a question to ask. Well, then how can we stay pure? Living in the culture that we live in, living where everything is relatively subjective in people's minds, where your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and you do you and I'll do me and we'll just all agree to disagree. We'll live our own truth. Well, that's, we know that's, that's counter uh, the truth of God's word. So how, in the middle of all this, can we live a pure life? life of purity? How do we overcome the temptations? How do we overcome our shortcomings? How do we overcome our natural sin-desired life? We are born into sin. We're in a sin-fallen world. I want to lift the pressure off of your shoulders today. I want to give you a little breathing room to know that everybody likes sin. I said it. Everybody likes sin. There's some sin that everyone likes to do. There's some sin that everyone enjoys being involved in. Why? Because we are naturally sinful people. We have a sinful propensity of our life to go and do things that God doesn't want us to do. Yet, because of the power of God's Word, the very Holy Spirit living in our life, we get the benefit of principles that says, if you live according to my Word, then I will bless you. And if you live what this Word says, it will bring you power to defend your life and to go on offense against the enemy. And if you live this life, you get the benefit of purity. How do you do it? Well, the Bible says by obeying your Word. Write that down, underline it, circle it, highlight it. How do we do it? Well, by obeying God's Word. When you go on down through chapter 119 and you begin to read other verses of Scripture, and I encourage you, challenge you to do it, don't miss out on reading the rest of this chapter because as you begin to unpack it, it gives us every resource we need to live a pure life. I have three things that I want to bring to you out of this. Maybe reference this in Psalm 119 in verse 13. It talks about our lips and he prays and says, I recount the laws that come from your mouth. In other words, he says, I begin to speak God's word. God's word is on my lips. It is something that I recount. It's something that I recite. It is something that I have embraced and I begin to speak it out of my mouth. The Bible teaches us also that the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can speak something and change the atmosphere. If you don't believe me, walk into a room today. Say something really rude to everybody in the room. Say something shocking and you watch the atmosphere change. It's like you could suck the air out of that room all by the words that you spoke. You can shape an atmosphere with the words you speak, and the Bible gives you power to do it. So how do you replace what is inside of your vocabulary? You begin to speak the Word of God. Where you would speak negatively, suddenly you're speaking the positive because God has put that inside of your spirit. Where you would be short-tempered and you would say things that you shouldn't say, suddenly you're speaking out of patience. Suddenly you're speaking calmly because God has transformed you through the power of his word to speak it. Change what you say. Verse 15, he said he meditates on it. He said that he meditates and considers the way of God. In other words, he spends a little time with God's word. It's in his mind. 
And our mind is a battlefield. Our mind is a battle of our emotions and feelings and thoughts that take place right here. And it gets in our system and we begin to live it out. We begin to speak it. But this whole control center of everything that controls who we are, you meditate on God's word. You put it in your mind. You bring it with you. And it will change the way you think. And that will change the way you feel. And that will change the way you act. He says, with my lips. And I meditate on it with my mind. And then he says, open my eyes in verse 18 that I may see the wonderful things in your law. So he says, my eyes, let me see things differently. Let me begin to see things, God, the way you see things. Not the way the world sees it. Not the way my friends see it. Not the way that the news media sees it. Not the way that the blogger or the person tweeting or the person on social media sees it. But God, let me see it from your viewpoint. Then the purity of my life begins to change. I don't look at things the same way. I don't embrace the same things with my eyes that I once would look at. When there are things that attack me sinfully against my eyes, no God, let me see it the way you see it. You keep my eyes pure. When I begin to think the way the enemy wants me to think, no God, you keep my mind pure. When I begin to speak things the way the enemy would want me to speak, no God, you keep my lips pure. In other words, God, you control everything that I am, all that I am, so that I can live a pure life. In every temptation that the enemy would bring your way, God will equip you, God will empower you, God will honor you by living out his principles so that you get the benefit of purity in your life and it only comes from what? Obeying God's word. God's word is the secret sauce. It's the benefit of living out a Christ-centered, Bible-believing life on purpose. There are benefits from this word. And then the last one I want to bring to you today, I think is the one that you were hoping to hear in number one. And the benefit of the Bible, number four, is promises. Promises. The Bible is so full of promises. I want you to look at this with me. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It's an incredible statement about the character of God. And here's what it says. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? I love this. God is not a man like I am. Looking at me today, listening to me today, let me be transparent with you. I will fail you. I will let you down. I will get it wrong. I will miss it. I will have to go back and apologize. I have to go to God and say, God, I blew it. You gave me such an opportunity and I missed it. But God is not like me. And God is not like you. He is not a man that he would lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. He's never spoken a word and failed to act. He has never promised something and not carried it through. In other words, God is trustable. God is trustworthy. God is true. God is dependable. God is always there doing what he said he would do in the way he said he would do it. Why? Because he operates off principles that if you will, then he will. God is faithful to do when we live an obedient life. The Bible is full of promises for your life. Let me give you just a few. The first one of one of my favorites is the promise of his presence. His presence. In Deuteronomy 31.6, the Bible says that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. 
In other words, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, he's never left you and he's never forsaken you. You say, well, but you don't understand what I'm going through. And I don't feel God anywhere around me. I feel like God has abandoned me and has left me. I've been there before too, and I felt that way. But every time that I find myself in that place, what I realized is that I've walked away from God. I've let my feelings or my emotions get the best of me, and maybe I got discouraged and I gave up and I walked away. But remember the principle of God? If I will draw near to Him, then He would draw near to me. He has given us the promise of His presence that He would never leave us and He would never forsake us. Another great promise that I love is the promise of peace. The promise of peace in John 14, 27. He says, I give peace like the world can give. It's a gift gift of peace. And listen, the Bible says that he gives peace that passes all understanding. That can guard your heart and guard your mind. And when you're going through something and people don't understand why you're going through it, and you have such peace in your life, and they don't understand how you're responding that way, that's nothing more than the presence and promise of God being activated in your life through the principles of God because of the benefits of his word and living an obedient life because an obedient life opens the door to blessing. It's incredible. The third promise that I love that I'll bring to you is the promise of provision. The promise of provision in Philippians 4 and 9 said he would supply every need that you or I would have. He is the supply. Today it's not your job. It's not. You may get a check with their name on it, with their endorsement, but God enabled that company to thrive so that God could Uh, be a blessing to you through that company. It is literally the blessing of God. Everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I experience is the goodness of God in my life. And He is my provision. He is the provision of my health. He is the provision of my mind. He's the provision of my emotions, of my relationships. He's the provision of what I have tangible. Everything I have, I acknowledge, is the provision of God. And that is your promise that he will take care of you. And throughout scripture, he uses so many instances and ways to paint a picture of the provision that he has for you if you will walk in obedience to his word. And then I think one of the most incredible, one of the most important, and the last promise I'll mention to you is the promise of pardon. The promise of pardon. A pardon is forgiveness. A pardon is saying It's gone. The weight is lifted. The slate is clean. You are free to go. You see, I was guilty of sin, but yet Jesus went to a cross, and he died on that cross for me and for the pardon, the forgiveness of my sin. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever will that calls on my name will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You are a whoever And so am I. So don't worry about the excuses. I know what you're thinking already. Well, you don't know. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've experienced. Well, I can tell you what the Bible says beyond your thoughts and your feelings about it. It says whoever would call on the name of the Lord. Whoever. And that means you, regardless of circumstances. There's no greater promise in God's word than the promise of that pardon. And if you will, just confess to the Lord the sin of your life and the fact that you need Him, then God would do everything for you. In other words, He's already paid the price. 
Sin's already forgiven. Maybe you're here today and you need to make that decision to give your heart or your life to God. Today's a great day to do that. Maybe you're here today and you're just struggling with some area of life. Well, today's a great day to go before God, remember the benefits of a Bible-based, Bible-believing life on purpose, and watch what God can do in your life. I hope today is a day of encouragement for you. I hope that it has given you a little extra strength to remember God's goodness in your life. And as God's Word is the foundation of what we build our life on, we recognize that He has great benefits in our life for it. And so I want to pray for us today. I want to pray for you. Where you are, if you just bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to take a second, and I want to pray this prayer blessing over us today. Father, today, if there's one person, one friend watching online today, first, that doesn't have a relationship with you, we pray that today would be our day to say yes and to receive a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and dying for us, for our sin. We confess it to you, and we receive that forgiveness. And we choose to put you first in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness today and for life in you. And I pray for us all, no matter what season that we're in today, no matter what we're walking through, two things. Number one, I pray, God, that we embrace the totality of Scripture and we begin to live out the hard things that Jesus called us to do that we talked about last week. That we live a life of obedience so that the, the doors of blessings would be open to our life so that we can live out the Bible benefits. God, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for what you've done for us. God, we want to walk in it. We want to love you and serve you. God, and bring glory to your life. In Jesus' name, amen.